the book of Exodus, the third chapter, beginning to read at the first verse. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And Moses looked, and lo, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then God said, Do not come near, put off your shoes from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Amen. And amen. God's transcendence is not the easiest thing to comprehend. Now, as a matter of fact, it's very, very difficult, and I hope those of you who are planning to come tonight will use this time not only to listen very carefully, but to take careful notes. This is a deep, deep subject. The transcendence of God is a big theological way of saying God, who is the Creator, is beyond and is apart from this world and all of His creation. The God who created is beyond and is apart from this creation which he has made. We say this in many different ways. The philosophers and the theologians say it in a very sophisticated manner when they talk about the unmoved mover, the first cause, the initial principle the uncreated one who has created everything, the ground of all being. They are talking about the transcendence of God. The layman, and those of us who don't like to use big theological words, we, we are talking about the transcendence of God when we say he's bigger and better and wiser, more unpredictable and powerful than anyone or anything that has ever been. He was before there was anything. Very difficult to talk about the transcendence of God and, and hear music helps and, and poetry and different symbolic language. We were paying homage to the transcendence of God when we so triumphantly sang immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. But I believe transcendence of God is best understood not through language, but through experience. A real happening. 
This is where I think we can identify with Moses because he had an experience with the God of transcendence. Happened one day when he was out there keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Remember, the people believed then that God lived in one particular mountain, Mount Horeb. That's where God was and the only place he could be, and nobody went near him. The transcendence of God came to Moses when he had knowledge of the fear of God. You see, that's the first ingredient, I think, that goes into an understanding of the transcendence of God. A knowledge, an awareness, a wisdom to recognize the fear of the Lord. Now, we don't hear too much about the fear of the Lord today. Fear, we are using it in the context not of terror or fright or anxiety, but fear rather in the sense of veneration, reverence, majesty, awe. You don't understand the transcendence of God without a sense of the fear of the Lord. And here I speak very frankly and from personal interpretation, which I'm sure some would disagree, but it is my opinion that anyone who is under 30 years of age today cannot fully understand what we are talking about in the fear of the Lord. It's not their fault. It's simply because the times and the age in which they have been growing, we have not been emphasizing the holiness of God. No, we really have not known what it is the fear of the Lord in my mind, except those who lived through the Second World War. Those of us who were really frightened as to what might be the outcome. We were really dependent upon the power of God. Remember past Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Since the close of the World War, the emphasis in theology and through all humanistic philosophy was to emphasize the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, his humanity. In rebuilding the world, we tried to rebuild people. We tried to care. We tried to have concern. We were interested in humanity. And it was only a natural outgrowth of that particular emphasis that we came into the civil rights movement of the late 50s and the 60s and, and the disturbances which were called by protests of injustice. We don't hear much about that today, and that's because we have moved into another area where instead of emphasizing the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, we now today are emphasizing the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And today it's the charismatic. The charismatic is the one who is having an impact upon religion, the one who lives by the Spirit, by the power. Now, the, these are very important, the, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit and the emphasis of the humanity of Christ. But folks, you see, in the last 30 years, we haven't been hearing much about the holiness of God. And without the holiness of God, you do not understand what I call holy fear or fear of the Lord. And that's too bad. I personally feel I see things on the horizon where the emphasis again is going to come back in circle to where we are emphasizing the holiness of the Almighty. But we don't today. 
And you recognize this by the casuality that people come to church. We don't see it so much in this church, praise the Lord, and for which I'm very thankful, but the sloppiness with which some people come to worship the King of Kings. How dare they come dressed like they were coming to face a beggar when they're in the presence of the Almighty. Do you realize we are a part of a tradition in worship where our forefathers, and boy, by that second anthem, I thought we were in a synagogue today, we brought forth, yes, the majesty and the glory, the fear of the Lord. Do you realize our ancestors, they, they, they were scared to death to even say the word of God. Nobody pronounced Yahweh. Yahweh. If they did, they died. See, we, we don't have that today. And we are the losers. Princeton Seminary, and I remember, I was only there 20 years ago. But nobody liked to go and be a part of Dr. Otto Pieper's 9.30 class after some professor or student led in worship at the 9 o'clock hour in Miller Chapel if that leader had read from something other than the original Hebrew, Greek, or the majestic words of the King James. Because if somebody read, remember, we didn't have all these new versions 20 years ago. We had the Revised Standard. We just knew the New English Bible was coming. We had a little bit of Phillips. But if anybody had the audacity to read from one of those which today we accept as every day, Dr. Otto Pieper would chew that whole class out for one hour, asking them how anybody could have the effrontery to speak of God other than through the Hebrew or the Greek or the wonderful tones of the King James. See, you people who are over 30 and who weren't allowed to even whistle on Sunday and who came only to church and not by car but by walking. You people who were here four times a day on Sunday. You understand what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, you see, many of those which one of those things that were used to express the dignity and glorification and fear of the Lord. They became misinterpreted and, and, and people thought they could be methods of gaining their own salvation and we misunderstood them. And when we threw out the dirty bath water, we threw out the baby with it. And it's a shame. Because if you're going to understand the transcendence of God, you must know the fear of the Lord. And let's face it, not too many of us are frightened of the Lord today. And that's too bad. Because consequently, we don't know what the transcendence of God really means. It means not only fear of the Lord, but it means being able to accept miracles. Accept the mysterious except that which we don't understand. You see, that's what Moses did. He looked, lo, and behold, God came to him, and he came in the form of a burning bush, but the bush was not consumed. You and I, we would have run to the encyclopedia or to the scientists and said, you know, what's going on here? Why? Not Moses. He accepted the mysterious. He went over and said, let me go see this thing that has come to pass. And when he accepted the mysterious, God spoke to him. And God speaks to those who accept the mysterious. 
But you see, we live in a humanistic age. Our schooling, our education, ask why. Don't be satisfied unless you know why. And we have a heck of a time living with mysteries. I talk with some of you, and, and you look to me, and you, you want answers. I'm sorry, as I've told you before. I, I, I'm not in management. I'm in sales. I don't have the, some of the answers. You say to me, why? Why do the innocent suffer? I don't know. Why do the young die so early? I don't know. Why do the bad seem to prosper? I don't know. That's a mystery. That's a mystery. And when you are willing to live with mystery, you get a sense of the transcendence, the otherliness of God, the God who is separate from and apart and over beyond his creation. And it comes also, you see, when, when you are willing to accept the word of the Lord to put off some things that we don't want to put off. Moses came into the presence of the Lord, and the first thing the Lord said to him, Moses, Moses, the ground upon which you are standing, it's holy. Take off the shoes from off your feet, for the ground is holy ground. And Moses reached down and takes off his shoes. You see, this is the Hebraic way of saying he was willing to be vulnerable. He was willing to strip himself. He was willing in front of the living God to make himself bare. He was willing to be the creation. He made sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And until you can make sacrifice, you put off doing some of those things you would like to do. You put off doing your own thing to obey the will of God. Until you do that, you don't have an understanding of the transcendence of God. But when you begin to accept the fear of the Lord, fear in the sense of respect, and honor and majesty and awe. When you're willing to accept mystery, when you're willing to make sacrifice and put off, you see, you have an experience with the transcendence of God. We're saying you worship. See, that's what worship is. Fear, mystery, sacrifice. That's what we're doing here. That is worship. And through worship, you have an experience that is almost otherworldly. You move to beyond, and you visit with the transcendence of God. But that doesn't end there, see. Otherwise, all we would do is come to worship. We would be meditators of the transcendence of God. But no, God wants more than that. He wants us to realize his imminence. His imminence. His imminence, you see, is just really the opposite of his transcendence. This means that God is also in his creation. That's the great fact of the Christian message, you see, the God of transcendence who is above and beyond this creation. At a particular day in history, we call it Christmas. God came down to this earth in the form of a human being, and as Paul says, God was in Christ. His eminence. Now, if you can just play a little bit around with these words, you see, and his eminence complements his transcendence. And it is our belief in the Christian faith that we who worship the God of transcendence also can know the God of eminence. 
and that God comes down into us. And the idea is that if we come to God with a sense of fear, respect, awe, God in turn will take that fear and lead us into wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we Christians see this in Jesus Christ. Remember when Christ came, the message of the angel of the birth was, Fear not, people, fear not, I bring you good news. All through his ministry, Jesus was saying, Fear not! On the night following his resurrection, he said to the frightened disciples, Fear not! And our idea is, is simply that if we bring our fears unto the Lord in Jesus, we become people of wisdom. Wisdom is born out of fear. Secondly, in Jesus Christ, we don't only have to accept mysteries, but more than that, we can overcome mystery. That's the whole meaning of the Christian faith. You see that symbol? That symbol is of the transcendent God, who is the God of imminence in our lives. That cross is a foolishness to some people. It's a stumbling block to others. But those who accept its mystery, it is the power of God for salvation. Also, we are people who not only make sacrifice, but in Jesus Christ we are told to put on. To put on. We're to do something. The imminence of God is not requiring us just to put off, but rather to put on and to do something positively. And just as the transcendence of God calls for worship, I am saying that the imminence of God calls for work. For work. For when we are willing to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, when we are willing to see in the mystery of God that no matter what happens, God is working, working for the good in all things, when we are willing to see that God is at work and we must work before the night is coming, we have an experience of the imminence of God. And the whole idea, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you worship, you find the God of transcendence. And when you work in the Spirit of the Lord, you find the God of imminence. And when you understand the God of transcendence and the God of imminence, this is when you have a balance in your life. When you realize God is God. He has the responsibility for the world, but He has given us in Jesus Christ responsibilities for us to fulfill and when we have that balance we have life that is exciting that is thrilling and which makes work and worship make sense we're in the one great hour sharing you heard Bruce McBain say I'm using this as an illustration you see the hunger problem in the world is really God's problem the God of transcendence God created the world. He allowed famine to happen. He allows these earthquakes and tragedies. That is the God who we worship. He's above all. But God in his eminence has called us to help him. Help him. And we respond by seeing our responsibility under the responsibility of God to do something. And when we worship the God of transcendence, and work with the God of imminence. That's when you're helped and the whole kingdom comes to earth. Amen.
Father, we've worked here this morning with our mouths and with our minds, and we're trying to understand that which no human being can fully understand. But, Father, we wrestle and we believe. So, Thou who art the great and glorious and mighty, Father, lead us. Lead us. Lead us. And now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen.